WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Consumers Energy is working to restore power to tens of thousands of customers statewide. Consumers had around 170,000 customers without power earlier today, but the company's Tracy Wimmer says they've restored about 75,000. We had more than 8,000 down wires across our territory in the southern part of the state that, um, you know, had a huge impact on our ability to uh, get to things quickly in the initial stages of things. But, you know, once we were able to get out yesterday, the high winds died down and really start doing some of that that damage assessment and debris clearing, um, we started to make some really significant headway. Wimmer says they've had about 480 crews out, 100 from four other states, to help them get the lights back on for most by the end of the weekend. In Van Buren County, about 2,300 Consumers Energy customers were without power as of this evening. Affected areas included Grand Junction, Lawrence, and Bangor. Meanwhile, the ice storm and power outages have led to more talk about putting power lines underground. DTE Energy President Trevor Lauer says the company has been talking with the Michigan Public Service Commission about moving the lines. We've offered some pilots where we're trying to put infrastructure that's overhead underground and trying to make sure that we have support to do that. I do think it's appropriate for us to take some of the overhead infrastructure and move it underground at some point, but it's not something in a, in a large scale. Lauer says the cost of putting the lines underground and environmental concerns are the big reasons for not moving them. But he says DTE has been putting lines underground since the mid-70s. The Howard Trail Pedestrian Bridge over the CSX Railroad tracks in St. Joseph will be closed starting on Monday through the end of March. Work on the bridge, which opened in 2002, has been ongoing since 2020. St. Joseph Department of Public Works Director Greg Grothaus told us in November this will be the third and final phase of the project and costs about $330,000. The contractor will come in and remove all the decking across the span that crosses the railroad tracks and what we're calling uh, spans two and four. So they'll remove all the decking on those and then they will clean. And by clean, what we mean is they'll, they'll remove all the pack rust, sandblast it, basically to bare steel and allow the oxidation process of this steel to take place and essentially protect the bridge for the future. Grodow says the bridge needed maintenance sooner than expected due to city staff salting it in the winters. There are now signs on the bridge telling workers not to do that. He adds once the work is done, it should be decades before the bridge needs additional work. Has there been any progress on negotiations to raise the federal debt ceiling? Congressman Bill Heisinger tells us it's been uh, quite quiet the past week or so. However, he does believe there will be negotiations. No one is expecting that there would be any kind of default that has not happened. That's in the interest of everybody to not let that happen. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be having difficult conversations about reforming how we spend the money that comes in, by the way, which is at a record amount. Heisinger says he serves on a team that's been put together to review the budget suggestions and how the issue will be handled moving forward. He says negotiations need to happen, and he expects the White House will be negotiating on behalf of the Senate. President Biden has said he will not negotiate over the debt ceiling. Work could start in the fall on a new boardwalk at Covert Park Beach and Campground in Covert Township. It secured a $475,000 state spark grant for the project. Township Supervisor Dewey Cook tells us there are two wooden walkways leading to the beach at the park, 
This will replace the larger of the two, the north one. It's about 600 feet. We've got stairs that go up and then a beautiful boardwalk that goes through the dunes and then stairs that come down to the beach area. Most of those stairs have already been washed away from the high levels of water that we had. So we're actually, we're replacing the entire thing. We're going to use a composite recycled material and widen it a little bit and have safety rails. Cook says the new service will mean the boardwalk lasts longer. Replacing it has been on the township's master plan for several years. Cook says they've also applied for the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund to uh, replace the South Boardwalk. She says it's surreal to see the bigger project happening. It's expected to be entirely paid for with the grant. Covert Park Beach is the township's only public access to Lake Michigan. Dr. Ken Flowers is the new provost and vice president of academic affairs at Lake Michigan College. He takes on the post after serving on an interim basis since Dr. Leslie Kellogg left last year. As the Vice President of Academic Affairs, Flowers will serve as the Chief Academic Officer, providing administrative leadership, direction, and evaluation for the faculty. He tells us he has a goal to increase enrollment at LMC. The first piece that we're looking at is to try to find a place where we can get students comfortable and feel safe to come back to school. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. We want to create a safe environment for learning and instruction, and then making sure that when students leave here, they have the best, they're prepared to wherever they want to go. Another goal is to make potential students aware of all the programs now available to remove barriers to college attendance. One of the things we found a year ago when we went to the free colleges, when people came here, a lot of the people qualified for health funding, for grant funding, from other funding. They wouldn't have realized they would have gotten unless they came here because they saw free on the door. Flowers is a graduate of the college as well as a former faculty member and most recently has served as LMC's Dean of Career and Workforce Education. He says his background suits him to now influence several facets of LMC operations. When the South Haven, Michigan Maritime Museum's tall ship sets sail in Lake Michigan this summer, it'll be crewed with volunteers from the community. And everyone now has a chance to become one. The museum's Claire Herhold tells us it takes a crew of around eight to sail Friends Goodwill. The museum will hold two weekends of seamanship training in April and May to get volunteers up to speed. Not tying and rope handling, and we go out and we throw some heaving lines, and you go on board the ship, and you're learning how to put up the mainsail and the jibs and things like that. And then uh, by the second weekend in May, our goal is to actually have you out on the lake itself and putting into practice everything that you've been learning. Perhold says those age 16 and older are ideal for serving as crew members on Friends Goodwill, and volunteering does require a drug test. After the seamanship training, volunteers can choose to sail as often as they'd like from the end of May through September. To qualify for the fee free training, a volunteer must be a member of the Michigan Maritime Museum. We have information for signing up at our website. And 97.5 Y Country has so far raised nearly $35,000 for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital as part of its 2023 Y Country Cares for Kids St. Jude Radiothon. Each year, the Y Country team raises funds for the hospital that treats children who are battling cancer. Why Country's Paul Landucker tells us the community is coming through. St. Jude treats children for free, covering all expenses for their families, including lodging, transportation, and food. Paul says what could be more important than helping a sick child? It's meaningful, very important work that we're doing, and we look forward to this every year. It's brutal, it's difficult, but so is cancer, especially children's cancer. So we're going to do everything we can to stop it. The Radiothon continues through 7 p.m. tonight. You can donate by calling 1-800-942-8709, or you can donate online. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun.
As the world marks the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, G7 countries are preparing sweeping new sanctions on Russia. More from ABC's Inez de la Quatera at the Foreign Desk. The G7's new sanctions on Russia will target key economic sectors as well as other countries and organizations helping Moscow's war efforts. Earlier, the U.S. and U.K. also announced new sanctions that would include third-country actors supporting Russia. Countries like Iran and China have recently come under scrutiny for their dealings with Moscow. Inez de la Quatera, ABC News. At the foreign desk. Ukraine's leader is pledging to push for victory in 2023 as he and other Ukrainians are marking the somber anniversary of the Russian invasion that upended their lives in Europe's security. President Vladimir Zelensky said February 24th, 2022 was Ukraine's longest day, but the country's dogged resistance a year on has proven that, quote, every tomorrow is worth fighting for. Meanwhile, ABC's Patrick Revel is in Kiev and says for many residents of the capital, they're making strides toward getting back to a normal life even as the fighting continues. If you're walking around at times you could almost, almost forget that there is a war going on. Of course you're immediately reminded very quickly when the air raid siren goes off but missile attacks have become a lot less frequent simply because Russia is running out of missiles. But then if you're in other parts of the country, if you're in the east, then the situation there is absolutely dire. Um, there's you know, no power in many places. It's very cold here right now and obviously the level of fighting in the east right now is extraordinarily intense. The Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge rose last month at its fastest pace since June. An alarming sign, price pressures remain entrenched in the U.S. economy and could lead the Fed to keep raising interest rates well into this year. Consumer prices rose 0.6% from December to January, up sharply from 0.2% from November to December. On a year-over-year basis, prices rose 5.4% from a 5.3% annual increase in December. Excluding uh, food and energy prices, what's known as core inflation rose 0.6% from December, up from a 0.4% increase the previous month. Southern California is getting slammed by one of its coldest big storms in decades. Blizzard warnings are in place in part of Los Angeles County. More from ABC's Alex Stone in L.A. While the heart of the storm is now hitting and it will last through tomorrow here, the snow level has risen to about 2,000 feet. It's a little bit warmer, so while some snow was falling around the Hollywood sign yesterday, today it's just rain in L.A. and heavy snow up in the mountains where it's more common. Interstate 5, the main artery in northern L.A. County, is closed through what's called the grapevine because of snow. U.S. First Lady Jill Biden says there's pretty much nothing left to do but choose the time and place for President Joe Biden's re-election announcement. She made the comments in an interview with the Associated Press in Kenya, the second and final stop of her five-day visit to Africa. The president has long said it's his intention to seek re-election, but he has yet to make it official, keeping the political world in suspense. He's faced questions about whether he's too old to continue serving as president. He would be 86 at the end of his second term. Today was the deadline for briefs to be filed in a court case out of Texas that could have big effects for abortion access nationwide, even in states where abortion is legal. More from ABC's Ann Flaherty in Washington. Abortion clinics across the country are bracing for a ruling any day now out of a federal district court in Texas that could trigger a nationwide injunction on abortion medication. Mifepristone is a drug approved by the FDA 23 years ago to end early pregnancies, and about half of all abortions rely on this medication. But the conservative group Alliance for Defending Freedom says that government approval was flawed and wants the drug pulled from the market. The FDA counters that there have been no warning signs in the two decades since the drug has been available. Ann Flaherty, ABC News, Washington. And let the rampage begin. Cocaine Bear is in theaters this weekend. Here's Jason Nathanson. Cocaine Bear director Elizabeth Banks tells me she badly wanted to make the movie. Why is it chasing us? 
But she was also worried that if she didn't get it just right, it would be the end of her directing career. If it didn't work, I really think it would have fallen not just flat. I mean, it just would have been an embarrassment for all involved, but me most. Cocaine Bear is a darkly comedic, bloody thriller co-starring Carrie Russell, whose friends told her if she didn't do it, they'd break up with her. It was just such a departure and such a relief and, a, and an escape from just how intense everything has been the last few years. I was like, why shouldn't I go make a movie in the woods about a giant bear doing cocaine? Cocaine Bear is in theaters this weekend. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.